I think that in just a few days, Paul Daniel Sr. will be on Canaan's coast, uh, beholding the glory of the Lamb. So everybody remember that family. I couldn't get this scripture off my mind. It, uh, I started thinking about it Monday and couldn't get it off my mind, and usually that indicates to me that I ought to preach on it, and I'm going to attempt to preach from this passage of scripture. I've entitled this message, God Shall Reveal Even This to You. That's interesting, isn't it? God shall reveal. This is a promise of grace. God shall reveal even this to you. I want him to reveal this to me. In verse 15, Paul said, Let as therefore as many as be perfect. Now there the word is mature. As a matter of fact, it is translated in another place of full age. Let as many, therefore, as be mature, be perfect, be thus-minded, be in agreement with this. And if in anything you be otherwise-minded, if you don't see eye-to-eye on this, God shall reveal even this unto you. Now, without question, the New Testament teaches that there is maturity and grace, and there's being a child in grace. Remember how John spoke of the little children, the young man, the young men, and the fathers. Um, God's people, saved by grace, they can be grown-ups in grace, so encouraging, and they can be children in grace. And I thought of what Paul said to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He said, for you're yet carnal and walk as men. They were brethren. And he said, you're walking like and conducting yourself like unbelievers. Now, Paul says at this time, what I've just said, everybody that's perfect is going to see eye to eye and be at full agreement. And someone that's not, what a promise of grace, God shall reveal even this to you. And I want this to happen to me. I want God to reveal this to me. Now let's begin in verse 1, Philippians chapter 3. Finally, my brethren... Rejoice in the Lord. He said in chapter 4, verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Now, this is a commandment. I'm thankful for that. This is a commandment to every believer. Rejoice in the Lord. The Lord. Now, as long as salvation's in Christ, got a reason to rejoice, don't you? As long as 
God is on the throne. I have a reason to rejoice. As long as salvation is by grace, I have a reason to rejoice. As long as Romans 8.28 is true, how long is that true? I have a reason to rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Now, the next thing he says is to write the same things to you. To me, indeed, it's not grievous or vexing or irksome or tiresome, but for you it's safe. Now, when we preach the gospel, you know what we're preaching? The same things. The constant repetition of the gospel. And the gospel's like nothing else. You think of how many number one songs there have been. I'd be interested to know how many number one songs there have been uh, since music has been transmitted. But as popular as they get, they become tiresome, and you don't want to hear them anymore. You, they get old. They, they, they become not speaking to you. The gospel is always new. To write the same things to you, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of his redeeming work, the gospel of his electing, justifying, regenerating grace, to write the same things to you, to me, it's, it's not irksome, it's not grievous, but for you, it is safe. I tell you what, if you hear something from this pulpit and you think, I'm not sure about that. I don't know if I've ever heard that. Watch out. Watch out. I want to hear the same things, don't you? I don't want to hear something new. I want to hear the same things. He says in verse 2, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. Now, he's talking about false prophets. Beware of dogs. That's what he calls them, dogs. Beware of evil workers. They talk about good works, but they're evil workers. And then he coins a new word. Instead of saying, beware of the circumcision, he says, beware of the concision, the mutilators. That's what he calls them. They tell you you need to be circumcised. I think of what Paul said to the Galatians. He said, I would that they were even cut off that trouble you. When the Lord said, enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, that leads to Broad is the gate and wide is the way that leads to destruction. Many there be that go in thereat, but straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life. And few there be that find it. What's the next thing he said? Beware of false prophets. You listen to their message, you'll have their end. Verse 3. 4. We are the circumcision. They talk about you needing to be circumcised. We are the circumcision, which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Now that's such an important verse. We are the true believers is what he's saying. We are the circumcision. We're people with circumcised hearts that God has given a new heart. We worship God, the God of the Bible, 
We worship God for who he is. We worship him in all of his glorious, excellent attributes. And we do so in the spirit. And that doesn't mean the Holy Spirit worships for us. He does worship the, the Father. The Father worships the Spirit. The Spirit worships the Son. That's, they, they delight in one another. They bow down to one another. They glorify one another. I mean, the Son, the son did that. He, and I, I mean, things I don't know what I'm talking about. I realize that. But the glorious three persons of the Godhead, but we worship in the Spirit by the Spirit of God giving us a spiritual nature. That is the one who worships, not the flesh. He went on to say we have no confidence in the flesh, none at all. We worship God in the Spirit. And I, that's what I want to do, don't you? Worship God for who he is in the Spirit. Spirit of God. And you know what you do when you worship God in the Spirit? You rejoice. And the word here is glory. You glory in Christ Jesus and have no confidence. No confidence in the flesh. Verse 4, though I might also have confidence in the flesh... If any other man thinks that he has whereof he might trust in the flesh, Paul says, I'm more. Now, somebody says, that sounds awful uh, arrogant. Well, it wasn't. He did. He said, if you want to compare apples to apples like that, if you think you have a reason to glory in the flesh, I got more than you do. And then he gives his spiritual pedigree. Verse 5, circumcised the eighth day. Of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, the strictest sect, concerning zeal, persecuting the church. I was so zealous for what I believed that I would persecute anybody that didn't believe that way. Touching the righteousness which is in the law, I was blameless. Now he really believed that he had kept the Ten Commandments. He was like the rich young ruler. All these have I kept from my youth up. As far as he knew, he'd never told a lie. Now, he didn't understand the law. He thought, I've never shoplifted anything. I've never committed sexual sin. I've never de- he didn't understand the law. But how many people do you know that could say, I've kept the law? The only two people I know of in the scripture with the rich young ruler and the apostle Paul. And I'm not so sure that the rich young ruler and apostle Paul aren't the same person. Uh, Could be. I don't know. That's just speculation. And somebody says, you ought not speculate. Well, okay, but I did anyway. But uh, um, he says, but, verse 7, but what things were gain to me? I considered these things as advantageous. I considered these things positive. I considered these things in the plus column. What things were gain to me, those I counted loss, garbage, 
refuse for Christ. Verse 8, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Now, two columns he puts up. Number one, the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. The other column, everything else. And what does Paul say with regard to everything else? He says in verse 8, Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things and do count them but what? Dumb. We have another word we use for that, and that's what Paul meant. Dumb. That I may win Christ and be found in him. Now, in these next few verses, Paul is going to express his desire. Now, I can say this with full conviction. What I desire is what I am. What you desire is what you really are. And Paul is expressing his desire in these next few verses. Now, the first thing that he expresses is, I have suffered the loss of all things and do count dung that I may win Christ and be found in him. Not having my own righteousness, which is of the law. If my fingerprints are on it, I don't want to have anything to do with it. Not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ. Don't don't miss that phrase. The faith of Christ. The righteousness which is of God by faith. Now, if I'm not deceived, if I'm not deceived, if you'd cut into my heart and see what's really there, you would see this. What I want more than anything else is to be found in Christ. That is the greatest desire that I have. When God looks at me, all he sees is his son. That is my greatest desire, to be found in Christ. When God comes looking for me, and he will, I think of what Paul said in 2 Timothy 1.12, I know whom I believed. I'm persuaded he's able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. That day of judgment, that's what he's talking about. On the day of judgment, all I want God to see is Jesus Christ only. And here's what this looks like. Not having my own righteousness. Like Isaiah said, 
our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. I don't want to stand before God in my filthy rags. Here's what I want to stand before God in. In the faith of Christ. Now, don't miss that term, the faith of Christ. Paul said in Romans 3.20, he said in verse 19, uh, that every mouth may be stopped in all the world stand guilty before God, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifest. Being witnessed by the law and prophets, this has always been the message. Even the righteousness of God, which is by the faith of Christ. Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Christ. Now that represents his perfect faith. He believed God perfectly. That represents his perfect obedience, the faith of Christ. And here's what the faith of Christ is. The righteousness of God. The very righteousness of God. And here's what I want. If you could cut into my heart and see, this is what I want more than anything else. I want to be found in Christ, justified by the faith of Christ, having the very righteousness of God as my personal righteousness. Nothing else. And he said, next, here's what Paul said I want. He said, I want to know him. I want to know him in such a way as when I use his name, I'm not name dropping. He knows me. I want to know him. Now this I know. I know this. If I know Christ, I'm going to want to know him more. And if I know Christ, I'm going to know I don't know him near as well as I ought to know him. He's so glorious. He's so transcendent. He's so... He, <clears throat> you know, when the better we know him, the lower opinion we'll have of ourselves. Always. Without exception. That comes with knowing him. Humility. Lowliness. Not full of ourselves not able to correct lowliness. Oh, that I might know him. This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Now I want to be found in him, I want to know him. Don't you want to know him? I mean, I want to know him where I know him and he knows me. I want to be like Moses. I want to be somebody who the Lord speaks face to face with as a man speaketh with his friend. That's the, 
That's the relationship I want to have with him. I want to be his friend. Like Abraham was the friend of God. That's every believer's desire. I want to know him. And look what he says next in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. That I might know him and the power of his resurrection. Now this is what I, I, I want to be found in him. I want to know him. And I want to know something of the power of his resurrection. Now I realize, and you realize, that it took omnipotence to raise him from the dead. We know that. You think of that mighty act of God, Christ Jesus, the fact that he died in the first place is, is so mind-boggling. And God raised him from the dead. He raised himself from the dead. What power is involved in that? But let me say this. The power of the resurrection is seen in the complete satisfaction of his death. When he died, God was satisfied, completely satisfied with what he did. And he is satisfied with everyone he did it for. And God is completely Completely satisfied with every believer. If you're a believer, you know what? God's satisfied with you. He's pleased with you. That's the power of the resurrection. He was delivered for our offenses. He was raised again for our justification. So that I stand before God having never sinned. Is that the power of his resurrection? Oh, I want to know the power of his resurrection. And next he says in verse 10, yes, I want to be found in him. I want to know him. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to know the fellowship of his suffering. Now, there's no doubt his physical sufferings are involved in that, but his soul sufferings. I want to know the fellowship of his sufferings. Now, why did he suffer? Sin. Sin. You and I do not really understand sin. If we did, we'd go crazy. I'm sure of that. Only he does. That is why he sweat blood under the stress and the anxiety of knowing he was going to be made sin. At that time, he sweat great drops of blood, knowing, understanding what he was getting ready to be made. When he was hanging on the cross... Three hours of darkness took place while he was still alive, nailed to a cross, bearing our sins in his own body on the tree. Darkness covered this planet, and he cried from the darkness, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He knew the reason. 
I want to know that he did that for me. I want to know my fellowship in his sufferings. I want to know that I had a part. I'm not going to presume on that. Paul said, the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. There's that phrase again. That's in the scripture so much. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's what I want to know. I want to know the fellowship of his sufferings. That what he did, he did for me. Now somebody says, how can I know if Christ died for me? Do you trust him only as all that's needed to make you perfect before God? Do you? If you do, he died for you. And you can be assured of that. And then Paul said next in verse 10, he said, I want to be found in him. I want to know him. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to know the fellowship of his sufferings. Being made conformable unto his death. Now, I've always tried to grasp what all Paul is saying when he says being made conformable unto his death. But this was helpful to me in understanding this. I mean, it's obvious in the language, but the but when he says being made conformable, that is in the passive voice. I'm not making myself conformable to him in his death. I'm made conformable. This is God's work. This is God's action. This is what he does to me and for me. Now, what is this thing of being made conformable to his death? The scripture says in Philippians chapter 2, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. His death was the ultimate act of obedience to his father. His father said, Son, bear the sins of the people I've given to you for your bride and be separated from me and suffer the full equivalent of hell. And he said, yes, Father. The ultimate act of obedience. I want to be made conformable that's what I was predestinated to. Predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son. I want to be made conformable. This is his work. I can't make myself this way. I want to be made conformable to him in his death. Verse 11. And here's the sixth desire. Paul expresses 
if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Death's not too far from any of us. I want to attain unto the resurrection of the dead. And I'm not talking about resurrection unto damnation. There will be many when they're raised from the dead. It will be the beginning of eternal separation from God, eternal misery. I'm not interested in that resurrection. I'm interested in the resurrection of perfect likeness to Christ. Resurrected just like him. Oh, I want if to attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Verse 12, I'm so thankful Paul says these next things. He says, it's not as though I'd already attained. I'm painfully aware of this. I'm profoundly aware of the body of this sin that I still have, that I still possess, that I'm acutely aware of. Paul said, O wretched man, that I am. Not that I was, but that I am present tense. It's not as though I've already attained Either we're already perfect, complete. You know, that's not going to take place into the resurrection. But I pursue after, I follow after, if that I may apprehend, lay hold of, that for which also I am laid hold of in Christ Jesus. I want to lay hold of him the way he's laid hold of me. I want him to rest me. We just heard that Song sung, enwrapped in thick Egyptian night and fond of darkness more than light. Madly I ran this sinful race, secure, without a hiding place. But thus the eternal counsel ran, almighty love, arrest that man. I want to apprehend him as he has apprehended me. I want to lay hold upon him as he has laid hold upon me. Look in verse 13. Brethren, he repeats himself, I count not myself to have apprehended. I don't count myself as having arrived. My sin is ever before me. I'm aware of my sin when I'm saying this. But one thing, Notice this and I do is in italics. One thing. One thing. Forgetting. 
what's behind. And reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. One thing I forget. Would to God that he will enable me to do just this. Forget the past. Forget the seemingly good things. You don't really even know if they're good or not. You know, I, when I talk about my experiences, I think, well, I hope they were good, but I'm not sure. Forget them. Forget the bad things. The Lord sent them. He's in control of them. Don't, don't spend your time thinking about that. Forget the, forget the past injustices. Forget. Forget. It's in the past. God put it there. It's not coming back. Forget it. Forget it. Forgetting those things which are behind. And reaching forth unto those things which are before. Stretching forth to those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now what is this high calling of God in Christ Jesus? It's to be found in Him. It's to know Him. It's to know the power of His resurrection. It's to know the fellowship of His sufferings. It's to be made conformable to Him in His death. It's to attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Now that is the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. It's so high, it's so glorious, it's heavenly, it's holy. It's the high calling of God in Christ. Verse 15. Let us, therefore, as many as be perfect, be mature. Yes, we're perfect in Christ, but here he's speaking of mature because he's giving a distinction between somebody else. So he says, let as many of us as be mature be thus minded. Let this be your mind. I want to be found in him. I want to know him. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to know the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to be made conformable to him in his death. I want to attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Be thus minded. Aren't we in agreement there? That's my desire. That's your desire. And he says, and if in anything you be otherwise minded, if you're not in complete agreement with this, God shall reveal this to you. If you're a believer, God's going to reveal this to you. And you're going to rejoice in it. And you're going to love it. If you're a believer, uh, God's going to correct you. And he's going to make you to rejoice in this. Now look what he says in verse 16. Nevertheless, whereto we've already attained these desires to win Christ and be found in him. To know him, to know the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, 
being made conformable to his death, to attain to the resurrection of the dead. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Now this is how significant this is. This is our walk. This is what we're to be at agreement in. To be found in Christ. That's my only desire. To be found in Christ. To know Him. It's such an amazing thing to know the living God. To think that I know Him. And even more that He knows me. I want to know the power of His resurrection. How God is completely satisfied with what He did. Therefore God's completely satisfied with me. I want to know the power. The the justifying power of his resurrection, the satisfying power of his resurrection. I want to know that what he did, he did for me. I want to be made conformable unto his death. And I want to attain to that final resurrection of the dead. Now that is the rule of by which we walk, that is us minding the same thing. May God enable me and you to have this as our mind and this as the rule of our walk. Let's pray. Lord, if we're otherwise minded, We ask that you would do as you said in your word and cause us, reveal to us this. Enable each person in this room by your grace to say, Oh, that I may win Christ and be found in him. Lord, we don't want to stand in our own righteousness. We know it's filthy rags, but... We want the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of you by faith. And Lord, we we want to know thy son. We want to know you. We want to know your spirit. We want to be enabled to enter into the saving power of your resurrection. Lord, we would know that we have fellowship in your sufferings. We ask that you would make us conformable to your son in his death if we might attain to the resurrection of the dead bless this message for your glory and our good in christ's name we pray amen